Hey, Biggs here. Before we begin, I just wanted to let everybody know we just launched our Patreon page. So it's at patreon.com slash network. There is a link in the description of the podcast. I think you're really going to like it. We're putting something up every single week. In the first Tuesday of every month, we're dropping a brand new episode that's timeless. You've never heard it before. Each subsequent Tuesday of the month, have a classic episode that'll have me or Brandon or Carl or some combination of that. It will be something that has been sitting in the reserves that's not available on any podcast feeds anymore. So you get a brand new episode for five bucks and then you get three to four classic episodes. So please check that out. Support the show. Help us keep the lights on. We're running a company now. Really need the support. And I appreciate you guys. If you can't quite make five bucks or you want to donate a little bit more, there's also a link in the description to a donation page on Anchor for our show. Thank you very much for supporting us. Not safe for work. Not safe for work. Not safe for work. Not safe for network. Welcome to Not Safe for Network. I'm Biggs. And I'm Brandon. I'm Carl. All right, Carl, you want to start out? You were talking about the fall season of TV coming up, some axes. Oh, yeah, it's that time of year where shows are getting renewed and canceled. We got predictable renewals, things like The Simpsons, renewed. Uh, American Dad, renewed. Family Guy, renewed. The Rookie got renewed. And it got a spinoff because its its backdoor pilot, two-episode pilot, was highly successful, apparently. I thought it was really good. But canceled, man. Both of NBC's comedy shows that I was watching, sort of, Keenan and and Mr. Mayor both got the axe. I liked Mr. Mayor, but I lost track of it at some point, and the streaming was bad because they would only put up one episode at a time. I think because they were launching the Peacock app. Yeah, and then they would only do, like, five episodes like currently have like five episodes in so like when the sixth episode they drop the first episode and they would keep going through like that yeah it's hard to keep up with the show if like it's just hard to keep up with the show on a fall schedule period but when you can't even drop it on streaming correctly it makes it really hard to catch up and and join the the week to week you know well, the peacock app is terrible as well yes it's one of the worst ones i was watching mr mayor at and Keenan both on Hulu, and they're both all still fully available, which is now the entirety of both shows. <laughs> uh, Keenan, I liked, except the problem that I had with Keenan was Keenan. Like they made the character do and say awful things in an attempt because he's, it's, they followed a little bit too closely to the traditional bumbling dad stereotype with him. The brother character, Chris Red's character, was great. And Don Johnson, the the grandfather, I suppose, of the kids, but yeah, his father father in law yep. before his wife passed. Yeah, but like I guess they, they fridged the wife before the show starts, which also made it a typical sitcom too. And then what was also weird was that halfway through season two, his he got a real life divorce from his wife of like a long time. So then it was like, was she mad that he killed his wife off in a TV show? And she's like, oh, you kill your TV wife? Does that mean you wish I was dead? And then meanwhile, she was writing Kevin can go fuck himself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true, but that is a show. <laughs> and 
so it's like I liked all the supporting characters because I liked all the the coworkers of his at the news station as well. The morning show that he did, I thought that was a strong cast. But the main character I didn't like, and it wasn't that I didn't like Keenan. It was the character that I didn't like. You don't want to see the character Keenan doing being acting that way because it's like no yeah and if i'm being honest i hung with it for four or five episodes because of keenan and chris red but it was way too much of a typical sitcom for me it just felt like something that would have come out 20 years ago well the other one mr mayor was very much a tina fey show and uh my problem with that one was i don't know it's just she's kind of out of tricks maybe i don't know I've been watching Great News, which was her first follow-up show to 30 Rock. I think that came out, like, right after Kimmy Schmidt. Because, like, Kimmy Schmidt was her first follow-up. It was supposed to be for NBC. It streamed. But she was concurrently working on that show. I think it only got, like, a season, right? Yeah. There's not much of it available. And there's what's there is pretty solid. You've got, like, Fred Willard. Is that his name? The guy who is in uh, Best in Show, who (laughs) Spinal Tap and... And he's also like uh, in in community. He's the do- the teacher that's like trying to do the the stand on your desk, seize the day. That that's guy. not the same guy. Yeah, that's the guy from Great News. Oh, that I'm talking not about Fred Willard. It's not Fred Willard. No, no, it's not. I'm trying to remember his name though. <laughs> Fred Willard was in Spinal Tap and Best in Show. Yes. <laughs> that's why I was confused. Yeah, what's the guy I'm thinking of's name? Anyways, he's great. He's like. Uh, a TV um, news host, so it's a news show, and then his co-host is like two generations younger than him, and is just like an idiot blonde girl who I think is played by Nicole Richie. I think that's who that is, and she. The only th- other thing I know her from The Simple Life probably. is being a spoiled brat on a reality show. So it's interesting, and she's Lionel Richie's daughter. Yeah. Oh, is that? That's where the Richie comes from? Yeah. Lionel Richie. That's not even important. Actually, maybe I shouldn't make that assumption. I don't know. I wasn't in the bedroom. (laughs) but (laughs) It's the show where, like, the girl that's the producer on the show and then her mom comes on as an intern because they both go to her friend's funeral. And the priest that's, like, giving the eulogy is saying, like, there's not time to do everything, so you got to go out there and get what you want. And so the young girl's like, yeah, I need to go get what I want. And so she's like, I want to be a produce lead on stories on stuff. And then meanwhile, her mom is at the same funeral and like thinking it's her story, you know? So she's like, I'm going to get into the news business and start at the bottom and be an intern. (laughs) And so then she gets a job. So it's all generational stuff. And that's a big issue, a big part of Mr. Mr. Mayor Mayor, with like Ted Danson being the old out of touch Boomer. old guy and yeah. then all of his staff being young and like that's the one thing that even though he's like a rich guy and kind of conservative and then his assistant mayor is Ari the lady that's like super liberal like psychotically liberal but the thing that they connect over is that they're both old and then all the other staff people are young and they're just Are you talking about Holly Hunter's character? Yes. That's yeah. that's the actress. She's great. Yeah. Her character is but it's psychotically liberal. Yeah. Like, yeah. she really is. Oh, no, they're playing. She's crazy. Yeah, she's, and she's, she's the extreme. Because they're making fun of L.A. 
Right. Yeah. Like, it's very clearly a New York writer's writing an L.A. show. <laughs> it's just like, we're going to point out everything that's crazy about L.A. You know, maybe that's one of the things that it had working against it is that when they're poking fun at New York, they are New Yorkers. So they're poking fun at themselves. But yeah. when they're poking fun at L.A., they're poking fun at somebody else. And but so it's weirdly the spirit enough, of it is less. Weirdly enough, they're like, they lived in Los Angeles at that point. It's just most people who live in Los Angeles for showbiz were transplants, right? Or at least a lot of people. Most of them are, I would say. It seems like it. Like, you go to L.A. to start a showbiz career, right? right? You, and yeah. sometimes when you start a career somewhere else, you wind up in L.A. Yeah. Conan wound up in L.A. That's true, because he started a show in New York. Although he started out in Massachusetts, if you think about it. <laughs> I mean... But I mean, like... But I, his career was well-established yes. in New York. Yes, and when then he, he gets moved, The Tonight Show and, and he got, goes to Burbank. Yep, and yeah. uprooted his whole life. And moved a bunch of his ca- his staff, too. Yep. Like, a bunch of people. It's a good thing he landed on his feet. Yeah, yeah. Now he's a podcast host. Like, <laughs> just like us. We're on the same level. As Conan O'Brien. The exact it, same level. We're peers. He's our peer. <laughs> the only way he's bigger than us is in height. That dude yes. is tall. Yeah. Yeah. So you were saying CW kind of really sharpened the axe on the season schedule? Yeah, let's see. Said something about the 4400, which I assume <laughs> is the 44th reboot of the hundred so let's start with legends of tomorrow season seven the final season batwoman that was a shit show waiting to get canceled i'm shocked it made it that long made it to season three when you lose your lead actress in the first season and then you have a giant scandal come out of that i just don't know how they kept going on the air so then there was a show called naomi that was the newest the most recent one its cancellation came two days after its season one finale aired. Legacies, which was one of two The Vampire Diaries spinoffs, Ugh. canceled after four seasons. Dynasty, which is a, a reboot of the old show Dynasty. I can't imagine that that would have done well. Charmed, because I, a reboot of Charmed. I, I could be mistaken on Roswell, this. New Mexico, a reboot of Roswell, New Mexico. We're just going to go. Okay. <laughs> Uh, in the dark. Well, I'm just like, we get, I'm trying to get through the list real quick. In the dark was actually kind of a interesting show about a blind lady. That's why it's called in the dark blind detective 4400, which was a reboot of 4400 from a TNT show from like early two thousands. So like the only things that are left are like Supergirl and the flash Superman and Lois. I think Supergirl is actually done. Yeah. Superman and Lois is what I meant, though. Nancy Drew. And that's pretty much it. And those all seem like shows that are easily folded into the current HBO Max stuff. That's the writing on the wall that I see is Warner Brothers is basically realized with superhero stuff on HBO Max thriving and being far superior, far superior to any of the CW superhero stuff. The CW has become this vestigial limb yeah. that just doesn't It's time serve to remake any the network. That's what they're going to do. And so they're cutting watch, it off. Watch for a rebranding. They're going to change the name of it. Just I think watch. they're selling it. The, see, but they're they cutting, have been trying to sell it for it's been on about them, six months I now. think they're just chopping it up into little pieces, and it's just going to no longer exist. I think we're seeing the death, the final death of that channel. 
Yeah. That network. It just, it'll just turn into something else. That's maybe that's what happens with these things. I, I mean, mean, do you remember what the CW Do you remember what the CW was before? It was the WB. And what? UPN. Yeah. They merged to make the, the CW because they bought both of the stations and then they took I don't like that the they names took the content from both I don't like of them. that the names don't feel like a merging of UPN and WB. WB WB UPN. They had they were the Frog Network for a while, right? Like I remember that Frog Pepe the Frog, not um, Pepe the Frog. Well, no, it it's the same Frog. No, it's not even remotely the same Frog. They took the design and co-opted it. No, the Pepe the Frog is based off of our Crumb. I'm talking about the white supremacist thing. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I the ones that I saw were like. They were directly the, grabbing the the frog from the Looney Tunes. Nope, not related. I read it. I know. Are you the, up on all the white supremacists? I know the his, I know the <laughs> yeah, history the of Pepe the Frog because the cartoonist was not affiliated with them and it fought for like, years to regain that image's reputation. And I felt it for him, so I learned. It his seems story. like they never are. They just co-opt it, right? Like you think about. Red pilling. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the Punisher symbol. Although, Matrix? That's <laughs> Red the Punisher pilling? one is the closest. It's not a giant step away. I will say that. <laughs> yeah. No, but it's definitely been co opted by white. Fucking uh, Mac Tonight thing. Like, they, they used to have this McDonald's commercial where he's like, make a Mac tonight. And he was like a moon that was playing piano. And then they took that symbol because it represents like a Mac 10. And so it was like, yeah, it's fucking dumb. It's so uninspired always. Yeah, especially when you're like copying from a McDonald's 80s commercial. Like, what the fuck are you doing, dude? (laughs) I'm glad that they have horrible branding. Yeah. There's been a reboot that's coming out this fall that was announced. So on Mondays in the fall, it's been 30 years since Dr. Sam Beckett stepped into the Quantum Leap Accelerator and vanished. (laughs) Now a new team has been assembled to restart the project in the hopes of understanding the mysteries behind the machine and the man who created it. It stars Raymond Lee from Kevin Can Go Fuck Himself playing Dr. Ben Song, a world-renowned physicist and man of faith. It also features Caitlin Bassett, Ernie Hudson, Mason Alexander Park, who's playing Desire in Sandman, and... Nanrisa Lee. So we're getting a full on reboot. That's all I know about it. I'd like search all over for any specs of information I could get. It's all within those two. So let's speculate here. Yeah. I'm really hoping Ernie Hudson is the new Al. He's too far down on the list to be the new Al. I think you like put out the actor and actress's names appropriately in the show when you do this kind of release. So you're like top of the bill, second bill, third bill. And the second bill is Caitlin Bassett. So a female Al. Yes. It does seem like it's it's not a remake. It's just a reboot, right? But like you're you're having a different character who's trying to figure out what's going on with Sam or what happened to Sam, right? And the fact that they're saying the man of faith thing there makes me think that they're gonna tie in the last episode quite a bit to it, right? Because yeah, get the evil leaper. Almost definitely. But what I do like about that is hearing that it sounds like it's sci-fi based, right? Like Quantum Leap was sci-fi and it wasn't. You know what I mean? But It had a sci-fi premise, but it was not, didn't drive the show really. But everybody's favorite shows were 
always the ones that were super sci-fi heavy, right? They were like the ones where he would go back to his time or the ones where he was dealing with the evil leaper and stuff like that, you know? So I'm hoping they figured out this like 20% sci-fi, 80% drama thing that they were doing. Maybe it's going to be more even, you know, like 50% sci-fi, 50% drama. That's kind of what I'm hoping for because they need to recalibrate it. That's what I'm saying. It was hard to get sci-fi shows on the air in the 80s and early 90s. It's not hard anymore. And so give the people what they want. Anyway, I'm very excited about this prospect. Yeah. What do you think? You going to check it out? Oh, yeah. Carl, you do any Quantum Leap watching? I never watched the original, so I have no real particular attraction to it, but I'll give it a shot. I mean, whatever. Yeah, I remember watching... I'm super offended by the new uh, Doctor Who casting. Who'd they cast for that? Uh, The new casting for Doctor Who. You probably hate it too, but for different reasons. (laughs) So while he's looking that up... It's a hard uh, name to say. I want to say, just talk about Quantum Leap. Just So... (laughs) My love for it, because I had originally watched it when it was in syndication on USA, mostly. And then I watched enough of that that I would started watching the week to week when it was on NBC. I think it's final season was the first year we were friends and like when we were in like eighth grade because i remember we were talking to uh our science teacher miss kinsella about it <laughs> stella kinsella i don't know what her actual first name was but we all assumed it was stella yeah and her last name is not Kins- <laughs> kinsella anymore either oh did she get divorced she got married oh okay <laughs> that's right because she almost went on a date with my dad okay <laughs> <laughs> Fun insight into our lives. There. <laughs> yeah, but I do remember us talking about the final season when it was happening. So I really liked that last episode, too. Yeah. It was a really good ending. Even though it left you somewhat unfulfilled, it was good, too. And it left us with hopes that we would get more Quantum Leap someday. I feel like if they would have wrapped that up in a nice little bow, I'd really hate it, I think. I don't think people reacted to finales the way that they do now, though. Like, we're talking, like, what, 93, I think, when the show went off the air? Yeah. Like, when shows ended, if it was a really good ending, it got talked about, like Cheers, for example. Most of the time, people just didn't think about the ending all that much. And then I think about Seinfeld might have been the first victim of that. It depends on how many people were all watching it at the same time. Well, Quantum Leap was not Cheers, for sure. but. I mean, like, like, I remember when Seinfeld went off the air, that was a big deal. And a lot of people were unhappy about how that one ended, just mostly because it was a clip episode. It's hard to to imagine what it was like at the time. Like, uh, you didn't have this global online community that you could discuss things with at the drop of a hat. You had to watch the show live and then go to work the next day and talk about it at the water cooler with your coworkers or go to the bar and talk about it with your friends at the bar or go to the school and talk about it by the lockers in between classes or during open period or whatever. And you didn't like text people about it. You would watch the show with other people at their house or they'd come over to your house. You'd make an event out of watching this stuff. Yeah. So like, and, uh, there also, wasn't this bubbling conversation about shows that was ongoing after they happened because you were all experiencing them together. Yeah, I think another major difference is just shows were made to go on and on and on. Like they didn't think about ending shows 
when a show got to end on its own terms, it was incredibly rare. And that's just not the case anymore. Like shows wrap up after a certain amount of seasons. I think part of that is because you don't have the audiences that you used to. So you can do this niche thing and like keep that going. And with streaming, people can find it later, which was harder to do back in the old days. Like it was hard to like catch on to a show if it was serialized or whatever. Right. But that's just not the way it works anymore. I mean, but I, I even felt it during Seinfeld's finale, though, which was not really when the Internet boards were like a giant thing people were using. It was like a very small segment of the population was talking about this shit online. And when the Seinfeld finale came out, you could feel it everywhere. And they were talking about it on shows and stuff like people were very, very unhappy when that came out. Yeah. And the Friends finale was another one I think that a lot of people were very unhappy about. Yep. Uh, I could not give a fuck less about it, but I do remember seeing part of it and then going to play poker. And then it was still fucking on like an hour and a half later. And I was like, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) That's a long episode, man. I mean, so was the MASH ending. Dude, MASH was insanely long. Yeah. We watched that for an syndication. That was like three hours long. That was crazy long, man. Did you find that? Uh, Yes. So he's the fourth Scottish doctor. His name is Shooty. Man, I'm shocked that that's how that name is pronounced. Because I was looking for a pronunciation guide. It's spelled N-C-U-T-I. So I would have guessed like Nkuti, but it's Shooty. Okay. Gatwa. So I'm not not uh, upset, but I don't know anything about it. You were super upset. I'm upset. The reason why is because he's the first doctor to ever be cast that's younger than me. <laughs> <laughs> he's only 29 years old. Are you going to be okay, Carl? <laughs> he's only 29 years old. That's not fair. Wasn't he's it bound doctor. to happen? Doesn't he just regenerate a body? Yeah, but he regenerates into another old guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's, he's regenerated into a woman once. Once, right? and that was the last one. So they went white guy, 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 white lady, black guy. Oh, so he's a black young person? Yeah. Oh, well, he did I mention? No, you did. You just said he was Scottish. I was trying to to avoid talking about that. I didn't want to anger you. I know that that was the thing that I was worried. You're the one that knows the origins of Pepe the Frog, dude. (laughs) Right, because. We're getting in some dangerous territory here. The artist was appropriated. It's not his fault. It was literally what and I And it's not to. this guy's fault that he's black either, Alex. <laughs> God damn it. Anyways, uh, yeah, his family uh, emigrate, uh, uh, fled Rwanda and they wound up in Scotland. And now, and he was in the show Sex Education. I don't know if you watched that show. No. That was, that is like the thing that he did that got him this job, basically. He was. Because it's kind of a prestige show and. Great Britain, right? I mean, kind of all over the world. I know Doctor Who's been around for a long time. Yeah, you know, it's weird because I feel like it it was like this campy cult thing for a really long time. But I mean, when it really when it rebooted, like when it came back, because it was off for years, decades, it was off. And then it came back with Christopher Eccleston as for one season. And then David Tennant took over for however long. And then Matt Ryan and so on. Who was the doctor in the 80s? Well, I mean... Because that was the only one I've ever seen. This is the thing. Christopher Eccleston was the ninth. So it could have been any one of these guys. The one with the big long scarf was uh, Baker, something Baker. 
I think. Scott? No. Anyways, he was my Fred. he was the fourth doctor. Okay. And then there's a guy that has like a crazy multicolored jacket and then there's like a bunch that just look like old white dudes. Who cares about any of them? They all suck. The fourth doctor is the best because he had episodes that were written by Douglas Adams. So that old white guy you'll stand for. <laughs> <laughs> and what's funny is of the doctors, he's one of the most insufferable actors that is still alive that played the doctor in the past. He's like fucking annoying, dude. He's so pompous, full of himself. Oh, the fourth doctor. Blah, blah. Who gives a fuck? A lot of people. A lot. Yeah, Comic Con people, people. <laughs> probably. We should talk about Fred Ward passing. Fred Ward is kind of in that weird sweet spot of. Depending on who you're talking to, he's either a legend or a guy you've never heard of. There's yeah, very that's, little that's a pretty apt way to put it. He was in a few box office battle <laughs> movies we did. He's in at least one. Uh, Remo Williams' The did Adventure we, Begins. Did we cover any of the Tremors movies? We did cover Tremors, that's right, yeah. Yeah, so he passed away at age 79 on May 8th. The family just finally let everybody know about a week after it happened. They didn't tell us what he died from or anything, so we don't know. But I got a list of some of the stuff he did before he got into acting. So first he was in the Air Force, then he became a boxer, a lumberjack, a janitor, a short order cook. Then he moved to Italy to study acting. And meanwhile, to make the bills, he worked as a mime and dubbed English into Italian movies. Finally became an actor. And when he got his first starring role in an English picture, because he started out in these low budget Italian movies, I was Escape from Alcatraz with Clint Eastwood. So I've seen that movie. He's like really good in it. I remember yeah, that. He is. Um, some stuff I pulled that was kind of notable was The Incredible Hulk. Played on two different episodes, playing two different characters on it. Uh, the Right Stuff, he played Gus Grissom, which, like, I saw it when I was a kid. I really don't remember I that don't movie. Either, I know I've seen it, but it was, I can't remember any of it. Yeah, fair. Uh, Remo Williams, The Adventure Begins, which yeah. I love that movie, despite it being, like, super fucking 80s racist. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> There's a white character playing a... Kung uh, Fu Master. Well, not just a Kung Fu Master, like, playing a fucking Japanese person, <laughs> like, it's bad it's really bad and then of course tremors which apparently kevin bacon became friends with him and they would always talk about Django reinhardt all the time that was kevin bacon's big memory and apparently fred ward named his kid Django after Django reinhardt and then he stayed on for the second tremors movie and then dropped off and michael gross was left holding the bag for the rest <laughs> of this no he kept that going for all what is it six was They've got, there's like at least six Tremors movies. Let me ask you a question. Like objectively, if you just think about Michael Gross, do you think about Tremors Michael Gross or do you think about Family Ties Michael Gross? I only think about Tremors when I think about Michael Gross. What the hell is Family Ties? It was Sitcom. Michael J. Fox's breakout. That's the vehicle. one? Yeah. yeah. Okay, he was the dad. Yeah. And Justine Bateman was in it, like uh, Jason Bateman's sister. Twin sister? Nope, just sister. But they look a lot alike and yeah. she got famous first and then he got famous in Valerie's family and just kept being famous. So, yeah, hmm. I don't know. It's kind of a toss up. It's kind of one of those things like a mood. So if like I'm thinking about horror movies or anything darker, that's the Michael Gross I go to is Tremors. But if it's like 
a lighthearted mood, it's the family ties. It's family ties for me just because I had so many years of that show ground into me before Tremors I didn't was watch ever it a thing. lot, though. Yeah, it was always on in my household. And it was inescapable for me because my name is Alex. And that show was so big when I was a kid. Yeah. Like every kid either called me Alexander the Grape, which was a uh, otter pop, or they called me Alex P. Keaton over and over again. So regardless, that show was like fucking huge when I was little. And I saw probably like five years of that before I ever saw Tremors. So that will always be the first one I think of. It's crazy because he's like hardcore liberal in family ties and he's like a hardcore conservative in Tremors. Yeah. It makes me wonder, where do you hide where does Michael he really? Gross? Where yeah. does he really stand? Is it something scandalous? Like, man, where are you at? Getting back to Fred Ward, his career is weird. Yeah, Joe Dirt playing Joe Dirt's dad. I'm going back (laughs) earlier. In 92, he was in a Western with Judge Reinhold where he played Wyatt Earp. And Judge it's called Four Eyes and Six Guns. (laughs) Because Judge Reinhold has nerd glasses. Wait, how many guns? Six. Six Because they're six shooters. Six guns. I've never heard them called six guns before. Oh, yeah. I've heard them called six shooters, but. Well, it's not a hard leap to make it from Miami Blues with some Baldwin guy. You know what Fred Ward was? 1990. He's like Bruce Campbell without the fervent following. You know what I mean? He's one of those guys who's in a bunch of stuff. And he's really known, but you're also like, how come he never really made it? But the difference is like people line up for Bruce Campbell and I don't think they really lined up for Fred Ward. Yeah. Yeah. He was like proto Bruce Campbell, I think. He's a villain a lot. Fred Ward? Yeah. Yeah. Either he's a villain or he's that blue collar. Cop dad. Plays a blue collar guy a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Like obviously, or a mobster. Like Tremors. Yes. Uh, I think in The Player, he plays himself, as a lot of people do. He's a, a corrupt warden or some shit in uh, The Crow Salvation. Oh, good. Was that the third that was the one? the third one. Yeah. <laughs> with Never Eric, saw it. With nope. Eric Mabius as The Crow in that one. We have <coughs> not yet reached the uh, days of... Uh, what's that? Who's... The Crow TV show? No, the... That had come and gone, I think. Oh, my God, dude. So much crow content. Yeah, but the crow's... I always forget about the crow stairway to heaven because it's like a weird continuation of the first movie. I don't forget about it because I never heard about it until you told me about it on Box Office Battle, and then we had a 20-minute conversation that I then turned around and edited. It's not canon. (laughs) You can forget about it. It's not canon. Okay. It's not canon. It's not canon. <laughs> Skarsgård's the new crow. One of them Skarsgård boys. Who cares? One of them. Stellan? One of the Skarsgård clones. Alexander? Definitely not Stellan. That's the dad, right? I know, yeah. <laughs> He's the alpha Skarsgård. <laughs> the primordial Skarsgård. Yeah, that's why the shark throws him through the window in Deep Blue Sea was to show him, I killed the alpha Skarsgård. <laughs> the antediluvian Skarsgård. The patriarchal Skarsgård. <laughs> All right, Brandon, you wanted to talk about Stranger Things. So they announced about a week or two ago who the big bad evil guy is in uh, season four. Uh, Which I think is the last season. Final. Because they were going to try and do five and then it, the pandemic fucked it all up and they were like, kids are going to be too old. We got to just end it. Yeah. So the big bad evil guy is going to be Vecna. 
So I don't know what that is. Yeah, I don't Vecna, either. like from Dungeons and Dragons. From Dungeons and Dragons, like the the hand the, and the, eye the big of Vecna. Lich. Yeah. Really? Yeah. That's fucking awesome. <laughs> so really, that that's the evil guy. God damn it! Now so I have this to is watch like Stranger Things, the Demigorgon thing, where it's not really a Demigorgon. They just name it, probably. So they've showed some artwork, and it is uh, a lich, and Wizards of the Coast has the licenses to. Vecna on that. I think they've been giving them a lot of leeway with. Oh yeah, dude, it's, it's like, good for the show. Yeah, or it's, it's good, good for, for the, the property. Game. Yeah, it's good for both of them. So Vecna was like, I think in the original Dungeons and Dragons, yeah, was the prototypal lich. Okay, and then he got killed in the the canon of Dungeons and Dragons, and then he got transferred into Ravenloft, and he was like the big bad of Ravenloft. Well, the thing about Ravenloft is that if you're a powerful enough monster, basically, you have your own sub-realm that you have, like, total control over. So, like, there's this character named Strahd, a vampire, who's, like, the equivalent of Dracula. And he was a character in Ravenloft that eventually grew so large that he now has his own, like, sub-universe, basically, that is his domain. It's Ravenloft is weird. It's all just like yeah. everything's connected by mists and ne- it's all nebulous. And it's basically, I want to play D and D, but I want to horror D and D. Yeah. I want to look like a goth kid while I do it. It's pretty fun, dude. Ravenloft was sweet. Vecna is an exciting revelation. I like Vecna a lot. There's magical items is how he actually shows up in the original books. There is the hand of Vecna and the eye of Vecna. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, I think there's also a third one. So which books were those? Were those like Dragonlance books? Or no, were these were Greyhawk the or... core books. The original core so books. So Greyhawk then. Because the first edition is like Greyhawk. Second well, Greyhawk edition is, is still a supplement. This is Greyhawk's talking... a supplement now, but it was based off of first edition D&D because that was considered Greyhawk. Sure. I know I had some of the books. Regardless... Yeah, it was like the original first edition Monsters Manual, or, or yeah. not even Monsters Manual, it's the Player's Handbook, because it had magical items in it, and that's where they showed up. Where at. And it was technically called the Monster Manual, <laughs> like I had it. They didn't come up with Monstrous until second edition. And it had a monster mouth and it would bite you. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Just like Harry Potter. Yeah, and then it would fly up and then attack you, suck you into a portal. <laughs> Gonna do a versus here. It's gonna be kind of a Star Trek versus Star Wars thing. However, I'm gonna give you guys some information. I'm gonna walk through two characters, and then I'm gonna tell you what the versus battle is because I want you guys to take into the context of all of it and then make a decision so that we're all well versed in this because I know you guys aren't super well versed in these characters. So, the first one we're gonna talk about is Captain Pike. Pike was the first Captain film for Star Trek, produced by Lucille Ball's company, Desi Lu, in 1965. NBC rejected the pilot, and then they said, Kept your, Spock. your three main characters are a Jewish man, a white woman, and a white guy. You can keep the white guy. You gotta lose the other two. Gene Roddenberry negotiated with them and got to keep one of them. Kept Spock, obviously. Moved him up to first officer as a fuck you to them because they also didn't like that they were ranking officers in the show. Roddenberry was able to keep Pike if he wanted to. The guy who played him 
who is played by a guy named Hunter, Jeffrey Hunter. So the producer said that he wanted to go off and do movies, and so he didn't want to do the pilot. Roddenberry said that he fired him because his wife was constantly meddling, and he didn't like it, so he let him go. So that's one of those things we'll never really know because all the people involved were died. In fact, Hunter died a week before this original series wrapped. So if he had been kept on as the captain, he would not have lived through the show. Now, they brought him back for a two-part episode called The Menagerie. It was based off of the pilot, The Cage. And The Cage pilot was basically, they go to this planet to check out this crew. They're like older, but they look young. And it turns out they're in the zoo and these aliens are putting this illusion where it looks like they have freedom. They can have pretty much anything they want. They don't really have freedom because they know they're there. They cut that into parts for the menagerie where they have Spock steal the Enterprise. He winds up going to the planet. Kirk stops him. They have this big court martial of Spock. He calls Pike as a witness. Pike comes up. He's in this wheelchair. He's got this big scarred face. And he's played by a different actor in this one, Sean Kenny, for those parts. He cannot communicate. He's paralyzed. And whenever they ask him a question, he can beep once for yes, twice for no. Now, basically the crux of the episode, they're showing parts of the menagerie. They say it's like in the databanks of the, of the Enterprise where they're going through it for Spock's defense. They finally get to the end of it. And then it's revealed that they're actually on this planet the whole time, which was a forbidden planet they're not allowed to go to because of what happened in the Cage episode. But Spock needed to put it into the court so that Kirk would understand why they were going to this planet and so that Kirk would not get court-martialed for going to it. And basically the aliens see Pike and Pike decides to go with them so that he can feel as if he's walking around and he's fine. His form is good. He knows it's not real, but he feels like it's real. So in this particular case, it's a better choice for him, right? Like it's actually like pretty good couple of episodes. So from that, Pike is like a thing that they drop into Star Trek from time to time. They have the Pike Medal of Honor, things like that, because he saved people from some radiation. That's how he gets in the chair. They recast him as Bruce Greenwood, and this is in the J.J. Abrams reboots, and he's the one who brings in Kirk. He knew Kirk's father, like Kirk's father was a captain, and winds up getting destroyed by that Romulan vessel in the reboot. And so Pike finds Kirk and like gets him to join Starfleet, even though he really shouldn't because he's the fucking son of a bitch in that movie. But goddamn, Chris Pine is charming, right? So we get Pike in that. At the end of it, he winds up getting tortured by the Romulan and winds up in a wheelchair at the end of it. But he can still talk. And then the second movie, he's walking around with a cane, but he gets blown up by some terrorists who are controlled by Khan, the Benedict Cumberbatch one. <laughs> okay, so then they bring back Pike again in Discovery. They're like playing with it with Talos 4 and they bring back the old Enterprise. And so that was just supposed to be a season. But the fans were fucking relentless. Like, we want this as a show. It was this giant internet campaign. The media started to jump in too because a lot of the writers really liked that. And they didn't really love Discovery, but that particular part of the season of discovery people really seem to like and so they got that spinoff show that's going right now strange new worlds 
Okay, so that's Pike. The next character we're gonna we're gonna look at here is Ahsoka Tano. So in 2008, George Lucas decided to make another Clone Wars cartoon. This time called The Clone Wars. The first one was called Clone Wars. So Dave Filoni said something while they were writing it akin to "It's too bad that Anakin didn't have a Padawan. Maybe it would have evened him out." And George Lucas said, "No, he did have a Padawan." And so Dave Filoni went back and looked at it, and there was no record of this character at all. But he kept asking George Lucas about it, and George Lucas was clearly just like pulling it out of his ass you know but Dave Filoni didn't call him on it because he wanted to write this Padawan now so they invented Ahsoka and basically she's brought in as a 14 year old girl George Lucas is looking as they're trying to put together this cartoon series they haven't sold it yet and he really likes the first three episodes which is the first arc of the show they always have like three or four episode arcs he says make this into a movie So they just decide on a whim to like make it into a movie, comes out in theaters, makes $68 million, like by far the least amount of money Star Wars has ever made in the movie theaters. Fans hate it. It had a 22% on Rotten Tomatoes and they really, really, really hated Ahsoka, like really hated Ahsoka. When they started, she was young. She was really whiny. She was a little brat. And then as time went on, she started to learn things because there was an actual arc to the character. And she starts to really care for everybody. Eventually, she gets brought in. She gets framed for bombing a building. And she is found innocent at the end of it. But because they accused her in the first place, she's like, fuck you. She leaves the Jedi Council. She has nothing to do with them. Clone Wars at that point goes off the air because Disney buys it. They had just written an Ahsoka book because she was so popular. So that book hits the shelves three months after they already ruled that it's not canon. So that's like the only time somebody wrote Ahsoka that wasn't Dave Filoni. And I have to imagine he might have had something to do with that. They go back, do a a last season of The Clone Wars. 75% of it is centered around Ahsoka because she's so popular at this point. Then, of course, you guys know she's in The Mandalorian. They wind up putting her in the Book of Boba Fett and they're making a series offer. So you guys know the origins of both of these characters. So I want to ask you, what's more improbable that it would eventually have its own TV series? Captain Pike or Ahsoka Tano? Like, from the moment of inception, what seems least likely that that would be a character who wound up becoming popular? First blush, I'm going to say Captain Pike. That's where I go to. Mostly because I can totally believe characters being created often by people being like, oh, it's a shame that you didn't come up with this thing, George Lucas. And then George Lucas being like, oh, no, I totally came up with that. And then just pulling shit out of his ass. And and (laughs) trying to like sort of retroactively, he's like, he's retroactively a perfectionist. Like he made this awesome thing all sloppily. And now he's going back and like tweaking it and and not making it any better. Now you see your parsec. Right. So like uh, I can totally see a lot of the really good characters being from like, good writers that are just like, I want to make a character that is in this part of the Star Wars universe. So then they're like, ah, George Lucas, it's a shame there was never like a really cool bounty hunter. And then they, he's like, oh, there was totally a really cool bounty hunter. I came up with him. And then they're like, all right, I'm going to go write that. (laughs) (laughs) So you're saying this holiday. I'm saying that that Ahsoka Tana was inevitable. I'm saying that there was a never, not a 100% chance of that character coming into existence. Okay. Okay, I, so it's not coming into existence. It's like that they would have their 
their own show one day. I would also add into this, the fan base was calling her the next Jar Jar for a while. It was based off of a cartoon that was renamed off of another cartoon. It was like based off of the prequel series, which people really, really did not like. And we've got that toxic element of Star Wars fans who were really the ones taking up the torch in the first couple of seasons of The Clone Wars. Like, the average person was not watching this show. Like, it was diehard fans well, that were watching it, was... it. And they hate females, let's be honest. Right, but if enough, enough of them don't, because she wouldn't have become popular in the first place then. Well, these both became popular characters. I'm just saying, like... I know, but yeah. I'm talking, addressing Ahsoka Tano. Like, right. Star Wars fans made her popular, so... And she's a female character. I think people were starving for a good female character and they and in many ways she met their qualifications for a good female character, you know? So a lot of them were able to get on board with her and right cuz she was subservient to the two thing males. Is, is, the <laughs> thing is is that Dave Filoni uh just has a good track record. He rarely misses when it comes to Star Wars. The guy gets Star Wars. Yeah. He's like the biggest fan. But we didn't know that at the time either. No. I'm trying to I mean, but we And we, we also didn't... didn't know he was going to take over shit from George Lucas either. No, but this was where he was proving that he was capable of that. This was the time. This is what he produced that proved that he could do this later. Yes. Yeah. So the quality was always there. Now, like I think it's the Christopher Pike thing is more unlikely one because he was a burned up guy in a chair <laughs> that communicated by beeping. Well, yeah. And now yes. that cannot and, be understated. And now he's a character that's the main character of a TV show that was played by the guy that also was Blackagar Boltagon. Yeah. Uh Anson uh <laughs> Anson Mount. Yeah. He's conscious of his future. He is has no intention. It's the show is not going to be about him trying to avoid that fate. No, in fact, yeah. I watched the second episode before you guys came over, and this is not what the episode's about. It's just a gentle through line that goes at certain parts. So, like, just to be clear, this is more like TOS, where it's like... Episode it, of the week with yeah. minor... Minor carryover. Yeah. yeah. Like, kind of like Next Gen did. Like, maybe in an occasional episode that's about something. Yeah. See, but, and what I think makes Pike more... less or So, less likely to be you know, have his own show is you start off with the original Star Trek and you have the three years of that show. And then you got like 15, 20 year break for a lot of people. They didn't know Star Trek was going to come back until yeah, next we had generation. Whole, dude, there was like a whole 10 years before there was a movie, right? Between when it was canceled and when there was a movie. Yeah. Yeah. And so you have that break, and then you have Next Generation coming in, and Next Generation did well, and then like it leveled off after that. I mean, there it all was became some the stuff. same timeline, but it was in that future, right? Yeah. So you got like, uh, um, what was after Deep Next Space Nine, and then Voyager. Yeah, and I and guess both... Enterprise goes backwards, but yeah, but the, it's those cool. Star Trek had after Next Generation had kind of really went back to like the mega nerds i guess like it wasn't a big popular thing like star trek or star wars was like it there are people it enjoy it well it it was popular but 
I don't know. That's difficult to say because like you're also talking about a show that for a good seven, eight years had two very popular syndicated shows on. They were always one of the number one syndicated shows. And And actually like Next Generation made syndicated shows like something where it was like this can be a number one show in the time slot. That had never really happened before. You always had to have network backing before that. Then on top of it, they had so many movies come out over that period, right? Like you have Star Trek 1 through 6 coming out from um, 1979 up through the 90s. Then you have next gen, like four next gen movies, right? Yeah. Also keep in mind that Star Trek nerds were the ones that invented conventions. That's true. <laughs> that is true. They literally invented the concept of the convention to keep their shit going. Yeah. When nothing was coming out, they were like, we don't need a fucking reason to get together and hang out and put on Spock ears. I'll get <laughs> and to say live long and prosper. We don't need a, a we don't need a, a movie coming out for that or a TV series coming out for that. We just want to do that. I'll get to another thing that makes it very improbable too. It was a canceled pilot that he was in. Yeah. The <laughs> odds of that, that, that a, being is in an even episode, known. like, yeah, even being yeah. known that got yeah. in an episode later, nobody ever even got to see the full ah, ca- this one was the cage episode until 1986. I thought you were going to give us a good fight. This was a well, landslide victory for I didn't Captain know everybody Pike. was going to, like, leap onto the Pike train. <laughs> <laughs> Just, like, leaped onto his mobile wheelchair and, like, hung on for dear life. Well, and... But he also has a, like, uh, it's a good point that, like, Ahsoka, her popularity has been, since her since her existence, has been at least consistent and growing. It's just like a Yeah, slope. it's gone up. Yes. It's just yeah. an upward slope. Whereas, like, Pike like, had Pike, nothing. It's just a flat, and then, like, a spike for, like, one episode of a TV show. There's this, like, interest in the character, Spike. And then forget about him for, like, 20 years. And then, like, oh. Let's like borrow we'll this. in a Futurama episode. Dude. Yeah, man. That is the true resurgence of that. Because people, <laughs> people saw that joke and they went, I want to know what that joke's from. <laughs> I don't get that there reference. Are, there, I'm Futurama. sure there are Futurama. Anybody, oh, no. The, there were people that got the reference and were like, oh, my God. They're referencing this one obscure episode of this TV show. Two, yeah. But then uh, two-parter, one Whatever. The only uh, two-parter in Star Trek. People like me who saw the and knew that it was a reference to something because Futurama is always a reference to something. Yeah. You know, they they always reference the thing that did it first. You know, they're paying tribute. It's also even more improbable when you realize the timeline in which it unfolded. Like he does that pilot in like sixty eight, and then doesn't get a a TV series. I thought you said sixty five. What's that? I thought you said they filmed it. In oh, 65. maybe sorry, sixty five. Okay, so even even farther, man. <laughs> yeah, we're talking eighty years ago. Damn near eighty years ago. Sixty. Sixty. You're right. My bad. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of people. But that that feels like might as what's the difference? What's the difference? Sixty-eight. That's a long time. I'm just saying, like Pike just sat there in the weeds, dude, for a long ass time, unable to move, unable to speak, and then eventually somebody found him, dusted him off, put him in the chair, put new batteries in the chair, new batteries in it, because the blink is gone, gone out. Took him to Talos for and was like, "Let's go, buddy." Polished him up. (laughs) Let's polish this turd into a TV show. 
But first he had to go into a not respected reboot series, like <laughs> playing a minor character. Yep. Who, dude, Eli is like one of the biggest Star Trek fans I know. I have told him about Captain Pike five times. He can never even remember his name. He's seen shit with Captain Pike and has no idea. He saw the, some of those Discovery episodes. He saw like the movies. He saw the original series episodes. He saw the Futurama thing. He just doesn't remember that like, Pike's a thing. It's kind of nuts, man. <laughs> That's what's fun about these long-running franchises. It's just like no character is off the table, man. What's it? What was your favorite Star Wars character that you had growing up? Because you ha- you found the toy or something. You it was the one Star Wars toy you had. I wouldn't Tuvok. say it's my favorite, but it it's the it is the one Star Star Wars toy I had. And I just I think I found it on the street or something. And it was the squid guy from yeah 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 Java's Palace. Right, they renamed him, but they called him like Squidhead or something in the original yeah. run. Something crazy like that. And they actually gave, what was it, in uh, The Mandalorian when they were on that, the the one planet where they were returning the, the frog lady. They actually had some more of those guys like showed up and in like, that episode. that guy might get a Disney Plus series like 20 <laughs> years from Chicote? now. <laughs> or at least a web series, uh, right? You know which character from Star Trek like obscure character I'm weirdly familiar with is Tuvok. He is a, he's either Vulcan or he's a, whatever. He's a Vulcan. He's whatever. He's the black Vulcan, right? In Voyager. In Voyager. And the only, the reason that I know I'm aware of him is very strange, but there's this one episode of the upright citizens brigade where some, one of the upright citizens, great brigade people challenges somebody else to like, turn a telethon into a dick joke or something and so they create this fake illness and the whole episode is focused on this one thing it's like a documentary about this kid and his his condition that he has is that he has a massive like massive penis that he's completely unaware of and it's so there's like this giant it's his dick is seriously like four feet long (laughs) and they have to like create a special harness strap it in on when he's riding his bike so that it doesn't get caught in the (laughs) the silver surfer the silver surfer circles it before penetration to let women know of their impending destruction (laughs) it's just and he's a but it's matt besser yeah playing a child but it's him so he's like tall as fuck tall and gangly with this big fake dick hanging down between his legs like a third leg and he's pretending to be like a 10 year old. And there is this moment where they're doing like a bunch of celebrities singing a big song, like Feed the World. And he has a meltdown as this child because he's got this Tuvok action figure. Now we get to it. I was like, <laughs> where the fuck is Tuvok coming in? <laughs> And he, at one point, he has this fucking meltdown that is not funny at all. It's like really disturbing to watch. As many things in in that show. He's like screaming, No, Tuvok's never going to find his way home. He's just like screaming that over and over again. And it's really upsetting. Like, I never thought that was funny once (laughs) until now. (laughs) No, I still don't think that scene is funny. I think it's awful. I, I would I would fast forward that scene if I rewatched that episode. I rewatched the episode. The episode is funny. That scene is not 
funny. So it's your introduction dark. to Tuvok. This <laughs> kid on Upright Citizen <laughs> was a kid with a giant dick on Upright Citizen. Who like forget, somehow who re- has a meltdown? Who, who related? Whose life journey somehow was re- parallel to Tuvok's journey? <laughs> Voyager. I'm. I assume. And that guy's because... getting a Paramount Plus show. I'm sure that's going. <laughs> yeah, that one will be on Paramount Triple X. <laughs> Paramount. After We're dark. desperate. We'll do anything. <laughs> I'm surprised that there's no like official adult. Like all the porn parodies, they're not like official. They're like, oh, there's some. There's like a not the Brady Bunch, but those are they always I'm have saying, the not the, and then they. I say know, the, but that is their own branding. They're not like owned by Marvel. Oh Marvel, no, that's no. what I'm saying. Officially licensed porn. Yeah, that's because Disney. I'm has shocked, it, and they try and like they bought. They spent a lot so of lazy. money buying up porn porn names. <laughs> No, that, you know, that, is a, that has been a thing. They have legitimately bought a lot of You know who else is conservative as hell is, honestly, is Netflix is conservative as hell, too. You know why? Because they were in talks to do a TV show with Cronenberg, and then they were like, we're not interested anymore. And Cronenberg's like, what? You guys aren't good? I'm too crazy for you guys? And they're like, yeah, I'm sorry. We suck. They do have a lot of really, like, uh, sort of crazy material on their stuff. But most of that was produced out of house and acquired by Netflix, not actually produced in-house by Netflix. The stuff that's directly produced in-house by Netflix, that's not some panel show or some comedian's like talk show or something. It's like The Ranch. Is pretty tame and conservative and family friendly oriented. Like they're not looking to make experimental movies. Yeah. Over at Netflix. It's a shame. Because we could have had David Cronenberg TV show. Yeah, that is a bummer we didn't get that. We could have had David Cronenberg Return of the Jedi. But then he said, they asked him if he wanted to do it. And he goes, I don't really direct other people's stuff. And they hung up on him. Yeah. George Lucas hung up on him, probably. also was asked to direct Top Gun. Which what? would have been so much better if he directed Top Gun. He should have directed. So it's established then. Yeah. Back into it. Pike Definitive wins. winner, Pike. Give us a harder one next time. I'll give you a harder one next time. All right. That's the show. Take it easy. Please rate and review our show. Sign up for an Anchor account. You can leave voice messages through a link in the description of the podcast or you can answer our poll questions. Reach out to us through Instagram at redwood underscore sound underscore labs or Facebook at facebook.com slash redwood sound labs. Email us at notsafernetwork at gmail.com. Not Safe for Network was created and hosted by Carl Borneman, Brandon Beardsley, and Alex Small. Produced by Aaron Donaldson and Alex Small. Zach and Matt discuss some of the best and worst horror movies out there. Check out all four seasons of Watch No Evil. Lauren and Sarah riff on changing topics each week. Whether it's celebrity horoscopes, the poop cruise, or smell-o-vision, you'll laugh along with Dippers. Catch up on pop culture news and reviews every week with Brandon Biggs and Carl on Not Safe for Network. Professor Aaron Donaldson and Purple Heart recipient Charles Horgan break down war movies, their narratives, and the rhetoric behind them on Real War Project. 